strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate it as always. Um, new focus on math and science. Uh, this is the headline uh, in the West Valley View. Go beyond the basics with academies of math and science. Parents who are looking for tuition-free schools where students are treated as individuals and family involvement is encouraged. We find that more and more at the academies of math and science. Um, and this is uh, currently they have seven campuses throughout the Phoenix metropolitan area, including Avondale, Glendale, and Peoria, as well as two in Tucson and an online academy. It's the virtual advanced virtual academy. Additionally, some campuses accept early kindergarten students. Um, since the first campus opened in Tucson 21 years ago, the charter school has strived to offer a STEM-based curriculum. So the reason why I looked at this this morning, we talk about education a lot. We had uh, Chad Wilson on yesterday. He's uh, Dr. Chad Wilson, I should say, Dr. Wilson, uh, was joined me yesterday from EVIT talking about some kids are not necessarily directed toward college. And I want to dispel a kind of a myth, and that doesn't mean that they aren't able to go to college. I mean, let's be honest. It has nothing to do with intellect. It has everything to do with a life experience in many cases and family situation and whatever. But for whatever reason, there is nothing. One of the things I love the most about what I did in my past life working in construction is it's interesting that when people find out you're in construction, they tend to talk slower and use smaller words as if somehow there is a break that if you're working with your hands, if you're getting sweaty for a living, that somehow you're not smart, that you weren't smart enough to get a white collar job. That has long been dispelled. I will tell you that the some of the most intelligent people, but also some of the most wise people I've ever known have come from the construction world. It is a very tough business to be in, and you have to really not only understand people, you've got to understand how they work. And when somebody knows you've been there, there is something about that. Um, whether you're a chef or training to be a chef or you are in the construction world, generally speaking, you are learning from someone that has done it. They've been where you are. They've been there with the shovel in their hands. They've been climbing in the attics. They're the ones that were the strong back and the weak mind when they first started. You didn't know anything, but your value is in what you can carry. And, and so that world um, produces wisdom. And I've worked with some very, very good people. And I used to love watching the looks on people's faces. You know, at lunchtime in Arizona, which is usually about 10 a.m. because we start so early. But lunchtime in Arizona on construction sites, when you're standing in line at some place to get fast food or whatever, cool off a little bit. Um, the looks from some people because you're covered in sweat, I always admired it. I always thought, you know, there's somebody that's working for a living. We've we've changed the attitude about this. These industries now are very well respected and they are very well paying. And we should be looking at people that are geared more towards those. When you go into the military – you take something called the ASVAB test, the Armed Services Apt Vocational Aptitude Battery, the ASVAB test. And what it does is it gives you a picture of what that test says you're good at, what, you're, what you are directed to naturally. And then from that, you can kind of decide what you want to do. Um, when you have all of these things in front of you, you can choose a path. These academies of math and sciences, the reason why these charter schools are so popular is because parents are seeking this. In the past, this was every school. You know, I, I don't mean to be nostalgic and the old guy talking about the good old days and I walked uphill to school in the snow both ways, even in the state of Florida. It wasn't really. 
um, it, it's we understand that the core was still the most important part. Elective classes were just that. And now we have all of these other agendas that have gotten in the way of the basics. We've talked about Baltimore schools and a number of schools. Uh, I believe it was uh, 23 of them. Um where no one in, in these schools in the Baltimore School District, 23 schools, not one student was proficient in math and reading. We went 55 schools in Chicago, the same thing. This is an epidemic across this country. We have lost our way in education. We have lost our way in teaching young people how to read and figure things out for themselves. Isn't it interesting? We must be the last generation that was able to decide for ourselves right and wrong. That... Our parents' generation taught us to read. Our parents' generation taught us to comprehend what we were reading. Because there's a difference. There's a difference between being able to pronounce the word on a page and knowing what it means. And then being able to explain what it means. Looking back when everybody hated standing up in front of the class and giving a book report. It was there. There was them teaching you that you have to read what's in that book. You have to retain and comprehend what's in that book. And then you've got to tell me what that book is about. It wasn't about embarrassing kids. It was about teaching you a skill. Well, it was given to us. It was given to our generation. We have the skills to read, decipher what we're reading, comprehend what we're reading, and then form an opinion based on what we're reading and give that thought to people. And we're taking that away from the next generation. We're telling them what to know. We're not teaching them to read to figure it out. We're telling them what they should know. And it's not fair. It's not the right thing. Um uh, so when you look at some of the fights, uh, just a couple of uh, headlines. Chicago dad placed on a watch list after opposing pornography in schools. Um, uh, Alaska board members brawl over silencing dad exposing books on kinks and sexting. Um, high school asks employees to invo- avoid inviting white peers to an event for people of color due to mistrust. Mom complains about sexually perverse posters at an elementary school. Police and military officers or others secretly work together to silence her. And it is, to me, the problem with this is we are seeing a battle where there shouldn't be one. There should be a relationship, a working relationship between parents, teachers, and the school district. The parents have the ultimate responsibility. This is the problem that I have with what schools do that makes me it, it, it makes me angry is that the schools – play holier than thou. They play God with students. And in many cases saying, if your child wants to change gender, we don't have to tell you and we're not going to tell you. And so that's their prerogative and we are going to reserve that right. And we know better than you do. Um, as a matter of fact, um, the person that works for uh, the president, Rachel Levine, uh, who is the uh, secretary, the assistant secretary for health, Rachel Levine, said that some LGBT children need to replace parents with one supportive adult. You've got members of an administration. I don't care what party. I don't care where and if it's whether it's local, state or federal saying that parents need to be replaced with what they deem a responsible adult. There should not be these battle lines. Parents and the school district should have a relationship where everybody agrees we want to give them an education where we're teaching them how to think, not teaching them what to think. 
And this is where we're going. This is why school choice is so popular in Arizona and it's expanding all over the country. As results remain poor in the core areas, parents do not want to see their children fail. And if they feel like the school system or any other system is failing their children, they will go out and change that system. And I'm glad they are. That's why I'm going to keep talking about this topic as it comes up. I think it's that important to families. I think it's of the utmost importance. Coming up in a moment, uh, what we're going to do is uh, there's new information. The Michigan State University shooter's family has begun to speak out. We're going to talk about that in just a couple of moments. On values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here, and welcome to the disco. Um, we appreciate you spending some time with the show this morning. Um, this is Funky Town, right? Remember the, remember the name of the band? Lips Incorporated. L-I-P-P-S, Lips Incorporated. The whole video was just a pair of lips during the whole song. Anyway, uh, welcome back to the MTV Review Show. Um, We've got to talk about some serious business, and I've been having this conversation, and I will tell you that I welcome it. I think this is a conversation we should have. I don't think we should be having it as early as we do sometimes when an event happens, when something horrible happens, but we should be having it. Um, The Michigan State University shooter story, this guy – uh, there's now more out about him. Anthony McRae is his name. And so this is uh, ABC, an ABC News report, talking about his prior charges. The Michigan State shooter pleaded guilty to a weapons charge back in 2019, but a felony charge was dropped. A former prosecutor is defending that move, saying such plea deals are standard practice. A felony charge would have prevented him from legally owning a gun. So this is let's let's start. Let's wade into this conversation beginning here. You have someone. You, so there are people out there and I hear from them every day when this topic comes up, especially on social media, that think it's horrible that I am not in favor of more restrictions on guns. And then here you have laws in place where this man committed a felony, committed a felony with a gun. And because of the policies of the of the person holding the office in the district attorney's office, because of her policies on prosecution, dealing with race relations and diversity, she lowered the charges to a misdemeanor. This guy should have been in prison and the country should have been put on notice. He wasn't supposed to have guns. And so you want to argue with me about making it more difficult for people like myself and that I should not care about my inconvenience. Why would you mind being inconvenienced if it saved one life? Well, you can turn that around and say, why would this prosecutor care about diversity in prosecution numbers if it saved one life? That one life ridiculous argument works over and over again on both sides of an argument. In this case, you have a guy on a couple of occasions that mishandled firearms. Now, in Arizona, he would have been fine. If you legally own a gun, you can conceal it without a permit. In his state, you can't. And that's a felony. And he did it. And he wasn't convicted of it. You can't run from that. So you want to enact more laws that affect law-abiding citizens that have done nothing. And you're doing nothing with the lawbreakers and you don't see a problem with that. 
So here's a little bit more. Uh, this is Brian Clark from ABC talking about the online presence of the shooter. The nonpartisan Institute for Strategic Dialogue that monitors online extremism released a profile of the shooter based on his social media history. The Institute says 43-year-old Anthony McRae may have been influenced by a perceived war with demons. He had posted photos of a well-known exorcist who recently said the Super Bowl halftime show was a satanic ritual. McRae's social media did not include any calls for violence. MSU shooting suspect uh, had previous gun charge. Family says he was secluded. An investigation into this, the 43-year-old suspect, and the update from the family. He was talks about him being arrested, uh, what he was arrested for in 2019. Family members and neighbors said McRae had at least once dangerously fired a gun in the backyard of his home. Megan Bender, a neighbor of McRae and a hospital worker, told the Detroit Free Press she was aware of the incident in which police were called after McRae fired a gun outside. Michael McRae, the father of the suspect, didn't respond to requests, but he said, I told him to get rid of the gun. Um, he kept lying to me about it and told me he got rid of it. The father told the Post he once confronted his son after hearing gunshots in the backyard, which Anthony McRae explained were fireworks. A Lansing Police Department spokesperson declined to provide any comment about the 2019 arrest. So, again, um, we'll go back to the expertise of my friend Steve Hooper, who spent over 30 years with the FBI. He was the ASAC here in uh, – in, um, in, in the Phoenix office of the FBI, was over the Joint Terrorism Task Force, has spent his life with looking at and making profiles on people and dealing with threats. And the idea that you have someone that is doing these things and there isn't something on record about it. And this is the problem. When um, – when you have people that break the law and then either people don't press charges or charges are reduced or dropped, there isn't a paper trail that shows a history until someone like this, who appears now has some serious mental issues and gun issues, murders people. And then everybody's surprised and shocked. So you can either say nobody should have guns. The problem is we shouldn't have assault weapons or whatever you want to call them and blame it on people like me who own multiple firearms. I've never brandished a firearm on a human being. Never, ever, ever in my life. And I hope I can say that for the rest of my life. But somehow my defense of the Second Amendment protecting my rights is saying that I don't want to be inconvenienced if it saves a life. It's not saving any lives. You're looking in the wrong place. This conversation is in the wrong place. This guy has a history. His family knew it. His neighbors knew it. But there's nothing we can do with the laws. There is only so much that the police can do. And when the prosecutors get the case, when the police find a guy with a concealed weapon – and it's a felony under state law, and you have a prosecutor's office that is too weak or too politically motivated to enforce the law and prosecute, or maybe understaffed, whatever it is, you end up with situations where people fall through the cracks. And I will tell you this. If this, the same kind of a mistake was made 
I would say a mistake in judgment was made, and it was a firearms dealer that made the mistake. If a firearms dealer said, hey, it was kind of a toss-up, we didn't know based on what we saw if we could have sold the guy a gun or we shouldn't have sold the guy the gun. So we decided, you know what, he's got the Second Amendment right, we're going to sell him the gun. Then he went out and killed three people and, 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 uh, and injured five others or whatever the numbers were. They would take that license immediately from that firearms dealer. And everybody in the country would be up in arms and pointing at that firearms dealer and say, that's irresponsible behavior that cost lives. Well, why aren't we saying the same thing about a prosecutor? Why aren't we saying the same thing? Because it wasn't just this one case. This was a policy in that office that law enforcement and judges were complaining about that you lack the desire to prosecute gun crimes because of some racial motivation, because you're saying it's a disproportionately um, convicts one race over another. I guarantee you that nobody at Michigan State University cares what color that guy's skin is. No one. Certainly not the victims' families. In a moment, uh, we're going to go back to the economy, some of the real numbers on the economy and how it's affecting people. And I will tell you about a very funny tweet that I posted that is politically motivated on this gun topic. We'll do that next. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. We are at a, a crossroads, as we are all the time in American politics. We are seeing a bit of a shift in the pendulum, and it swings back and forth. And we've talked about this before, as the American people vote with their wallets. And I don't think that largely, it's become more and more partisan. As a matter of fact, there's a, a new poll that was embargoed until 9 o'clock, and it was done by... Um, um, a, a local uh, by um, let me get I must let me find it so I can bring it to you and be a little bit smarter about what it says. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but it is uh, a poll that talks about the political landscape in Arizona and the possibility. Mike Noble's group did it, um, and it's Gallego uh, against Kirsten Cinema and then against a bunch of Republican candidates and how it would go as the as the pendulum continues to swing. And we look at what's happening. When my in my youth, it was you know Jimmy Carter got elected president. He beat Gerald Ford, um, so we swung far to the left. It was a it was terrible. The economy was horrible for four years. The Americans swung to the right again, and they elected Reagan, which was interesting for those of you out there that are looking at American politics right now, especially Republican politics, and you're looking at the fighting that's going on, and people are talking about division in that party. I think it's in both parties, but let's not forget. That Ronald Reagan primaried Gerald Ford, much to the dismay of the Republican Party, and Ronald Reagan was not a very popular Republican for primarying a sitting president. But then he was able to win the presidency four years later when he beat Jimmy Carter, and then he unbelievably won 49 states for re-election in 1984. So we went from Ford to Carter, from Carter to Reagan – from Reagan to George H.W. Bush, and if you remember, that brought in the uh, Ross Perot and that movement that divided the vote that gave us Bill Clinton. Then we had Bill Clinton for eight years. That gave us George W. Bush, which gave us Barack Obama, which gave us Donald Trump, which gave us Joe Biden. 
So we've watched the political, especially in presidential races, we've watched that pendulum swing back and forth pretty wide. And here we are now where the president, this president, for the first couple of years of his presidency had Democrats uh, controlling the House and the Senate for the most part. And we didn't see a whole lot um, of the agenda get passed, but there was enough of it to get passed that we're starting to see some of the benefits or fallout from it. The president has been bragging about how his, his plan is working. I have a good plan. The plan's working. Here's why. Here's what's happening. Um, and this is just uh, – we went over this, but here's a list of what the president said of the reasons why his plan is working. Gas prices are down $1.60 a gallon. They're going to come down further from the peak. So gas prices are down $1.60 a gallon from the highest gas prices we have ever seen. If you remember, previous administration, like it or not, fuel gasoline under 3 bucks a gallon for all four years of that presidency. All four years. And you know, we keep hearing about COVID and everything else, but the reality is this. The administration, the previous administration – whether you want to give them credit or not, if you're going to if you're going to give Biden credit for bringing gas prices down or it, you can't have it both ways for four years, gasoline was less than three dollars a gallon. Gasoline prices have gone up every single month of the Biden administration. And then they skyrocketed when Russia and the war happened there and these other things were going on. But when he says gasoline prices are down, they're down from the highest we have ever seen. They are still up from when he took office. That's something that I mean, that's not even my political accusation. It is just what the American public is looking at. She goes on. And inflation is coming down. Inflation is not coming down. Inflation is still very high. And that's where the, the, this is the, the battle that goes on is that we have seen, as a matter of fact, month over month, we saw an increase in inflation. And it's down year over year to 6.4%, but much higher than they wanted it to end up. Home pay for workers has gone up. Okay. Take home pay for workers has gone up. The, the key phrase there is take home because real wages and I'm looking at the number of real wages going back to January of 2022. They were down one point eight percent. That means what you make versus what it costs you to live from the month before or the year before. One point eight percent in January, two point five in February, two point four in March, two point two in April, two point seven in May, three point two in June, two point seven in July, two point seven in September, two point nine in October, on and on and on and on. It's January of twenty twenty three. Real wages were down one point eight percent. So that's the real cost for the American people. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything here. I'm not trying to convince anybody of a political um, – I'm not, I'm not – all I'm doing is echoing what I know everybody is feeling. People are feeling like they are working twice as hard for half as much. Uh, and, and when we've all felt it. When – and let's go back to a Republican president who I supported, who I happen to still think the world of. And George W. Bush, I, I am glad the world sees him as the human being that I got to see when I spent even a small amount of time with him. Um, so I'm glad history has been kind to him as a human being. But when the when the real estate bubble burst and it really affected Arizona and our construction and the things that were going on in this state, and we saw the bottom fall out of our economy – 
When that happened, I had so many friends in construction that were saying we're working twice as hard for half as much. There was a time when construction was booming in the previous years during the Bush administration where as a contractor, as a subcontractor, you could go into an office, into a a general contractor's uh, plan room where they had plans for jobs they were bidding, and you could sign out a set of plans. And just say, hey, listen, I, this uh, my company, Broomhead Electric, is going to bid this job, this job, this job, and take as many sets of plans as you want. And you could do that as long as you honored your word to bid that job. And there were plans. It was, it was like you could walk out with an armful of blueprints to bid jobs all over the state of Arizona. And then things began to slow down, and they no longer printed stuff out. They gave you a DVD, and you had to print out your own plans. And then you saw people starving for work and really knocking their prices down to where you were almost making no money on a job. It was just survival. And it really got bad. I remember going to uh, Thomas Reaper Graphics on 7th Street in Thomas to pick up a set of plans to bid a job for the city of Phoenix. And they They had given out 28 sets of plans before I got there. Now, nobody wants to be the best price out of 28. I don't care who you are. But we've all seen what it's like to work twice as hard for half as much. And the American public is doing that again. And you're going to have to answer for it. Everybody is going to have to answer for it. And I'm anxious to see what the answer is from the American people. Will we continue to buy into the rich versus poor, us versus them, a gotcha politics, or... Do they largely want the government to get out of their way? In a moment, the political season is really heating up. We're going to talk about that, including this OH Predictive Insights poll. All that's coming up here in just a few moments. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Uh, memories. My very first concert, Fog Hat and Blue Oyster Cult. Remember the song Godzilla? That was that was Blue Oyster Cult. All right, thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending some time with me. Um, FBI searches University of Delaware for Biden documents, according to a report. Um, we may get into that. It's just that this whole document thing has me thinking about more than just this president. It's every president, every vice president. Uh, we're looking at senators that have retired. We should be looking into how serious this is, how prevalent this is, because it it, it crosses parties. It's 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 everywhere. Um, it's it started with Donald Trump. It started with going after the former president. There's no doubt about that. Um, and the FBI raiding his house and how horrible this was. The, I would say, seriousness of that crime, as far as the media is concerned, has waned quite a bit now that we've found out what's going on. And I don't want to get in. That's the politics of it. But when you look at um, – some of the, the commentary that's out there. Now, I, I know this is going to shock you. I'm not a big fan of The View. Um, and Whoopi Goldberg was talking and was making a point, and she confused a couple of people, which make it really, really funny. So I want you to hear what Whoopi Goldberg had to say. We do deserve to have two strong parties. So, you know, Tim Scott, black Tim Scott, right? Because there are two Scots, and I I don't know how to differentiate them without a picture. So he's Rick Scott and Tim Scott. Right. Tim Scott is black, right? Okay. He's about to run, announce his run. What do you mean you can't tell them apart? 
Um, he so Tim Scott made a comment and said we uh, in this and Tim Scott got wind of this. He said to clear up any confusion, Whoopi, despite at Scott for Florida, um, I support. I'm sporting similar hairstyles and representing the South. We are two different people. You should get to know me. Um, the political commentary about the the idea of having a presidential candidate in uh, that is now running um, when you hear about people that are going to run for office now all of a sudden they put it out there and then it starts to get really heated up here in the Ari- in Arizona the race that everyone is looking forward to is the possibility of having um, Ruben Gallego running possibly against Kirsten Cinema, but we have no idea who the um, candidate is going to be from the from the Republican Party yet, and so there's head to head matchups and all of this. And one of these Ruben Gallego, by the way, as of right now, beats everybody. Um, he beats Kirsten Cinema running with uh, Ducey as the Republican candidate. That is the closest for the. Um, it's not the closest. It's interesting. The second closest. Um, and it, it's fascinating what's happening. Um, Karen Taylor Robeson, Gallegos plus seven against those two. Remember now, Kirsten Cinema is in. Senator Cinema is in all of these races. He beats Masters by nine. He beats Lake by eight. If it's head-to-head between Gallego and Ducey, uh, Gallego's up four. Same with Karen Taylor Robeson, 11 over Masters and 10 over Kerry Lake. What's interesting about that in popularity is that when you look at the popularity of candidates overall, um, the uh, the independents are not very favorable to the MAGA candidates, and they're not very favorable in um, with Republican candidates either, uh, with the other Republican candidates. Right now, the independents are leaning toward um, Kirsten Sinema or uh, Ruben Gallego. He gets a plus number in those. And the reason why all this to me is, is, is concerning or is something we should be looking at is the election's not that far away. And we're going to see people jump into this race. What's funny is nobody even knows if former Governor Ducey's going to run. Is this going to be something that, um, that anybody's worried about right now? Because you know as well as I do, it's the diehards that fill out these polls right now. It's people that pay attention. It's the people right now that are watching the NFL. It's the people that are watching the NFL right now about where draft picks are going to be. We talked yesterday about the new head coach of the Cardinals, but we're not talking. We're not a sports station, but we're not talking about behind the scenes, off season moves by the Arizona Cardinals. We'll talk about the Cardinals when the season comes. I'm a fan. I coach. I've coached football, high school football, but I've, I mean that's how much I love the game. I love the game of football, um, but. In the off season, I'm not going. We're not going to jump on here and talk about uh, this. They hired this assistant coach. They let the kicker go. They've added this free agent player. Unless it's a big name. Same with Suns fans. Right now, they're in the middle of the season. Everybody wants to see them win. When Kevin Durant, when KD comes to Phoenix, that's a big news story to people. But it's the diehard insiders that know the draft picks and where they're going to go and where their team is picking and watching the draft on TV. Those are the people in politics that are paying attention to the elections right now. So when you see poll numbers, it's reflecting people that are answering these questions because this is what they do. This is what they live for. And and so it does not reflect, I don't think, it doesn't reflect the overall feelings of voters and things are going to change dramatically. If you remember, uh, let's go back just here in Arizona elections, the year that Governor Ducey won his first term in office, going into that election year, so January of the election year, he was down by double digits. I mean, it was like 30 points. He was down by huge numbers to uh, Ken Bennett. 
huge numbers. And by the end of the election, he had gone past the other candidates and he won the primary. You just don't know. And because it's people don't engage until later in the process, you see people now that do this all the time and they're just compelled by it. What we're going to do coming up just after 10 o'clock um, is border issues and immigration issues. Maryland is talking about the cartels. We'll discuss that next.